welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Play by Players. Today we are joined by one of the more outgoing and multi-talented players in MLS. Uh, he's played close to 150 games, a goalkeeper at the professional level, level with Major League Soccer, NASL, USL, Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions League experience. He's number one for the Portland Timbers and number one in our hearts. Please welcome to the podcast, Jeff Atanella. Hey, what a nice introduction. Am I close to 150? Am I close to 150? Uh, if you add them all up, you know, like you're, listen, what I tell people is people say, you know, they look at stats and it's like, they don't realize how long preseason is. They don't realize there's like reserve games, like how, how many BS games you have, like in the offs, you know, like the off weeks where they're the teams like, uh, like DC United, right. They had this off week and they were like, we're going to schedule a tournament with these Central American teams that hate your guts. And it's like, what like they don't consider those you know games sometimes so uh if you if you crunch the numbers uh it's up there man it's a lot of games we count them all it's the body count it's the it's the amount of games taking the toll on the body maybe not necessarily the mls the mls reps but the body count well and then you know these these young kids now they didn't play college soccer like you and i did if you were to throw in the college schedule where you play like friday and Friday night and Saturday night or Friday night and Sunday afternoon. I mean, it, it really is a, it's a, a body count where you need a body bag. Yeah. You tack on, like you're going out Thursday night, playing the game Friday, going out Saturday, <laughs> the college schedule, you know, we've done yeah, a lot to brutal. our bodies, man. That's a lot of games to be proud of. It's brutal. And, and uh, you know, for those that watch this on YouTube, you can see I'm, I'm sporting my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a work done Jersey. And you've got your, your Brady, the Brady Bucks. Uh, this is two. This is two Tampa Bay guys on the podcast today. So uh, guys that were were born and raised in Paradise, uh, you know, and and Florida. So you guys are in for a real treat. Florida, two some, Florida men, some OGs, some actual that's, OGs. You know, everybody, everybody now. You know, I meet all these Boston people, and they're they're like, oh, we're Brady. So we've been on the Bucks since day one. Like you haven't been on the Bucks since day one. If you're a Brady guy, like you have <laughs> yeah. not suffered in yeah. the trenches. You haven't earned this the way that me and Bobby have. So just throwing that out there. If you think you're a day oneer, me and Bobby are the day oneers. Yeah, well, I've got I've got the old yucks, you know, orange uh, orange gear that my dad tried to throw away, and and like people are like, where'd you get that vintage uh, outfit? And I'm like, this is the old man's. Like I go way back. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we kind of hinted at uh, you being from, from Florida. You are a, a Clearwater slash, you, would you call Safety Harbor home? Yeah, Safety Harbor. Safety Harbor is where I grew up. Tampa is definitely home now. And I've been, uh, I've been like a downtown South Tampa guy for, you know, ever since I left college. So Tampa's home now, but I grew up in Safety Harbor. Okay. And for those that don't know, Tampa Bay is a big Bay Area, just surrounded by beautiful uh, water and, and uh, fish and paradise. Um, but you, you're closer to the water than most, at least growing up. Tell me, did you did you always play? I know you started off, uh, or you played for the Clearwater Chargers at some point. Uh, have you been a Clearwater guy through and through? So I was one of the guys that you know I jumped ship and then come back and then came back. So I grew up playing. I grew up playing up in age group, and then when everybody, because this was way before the academy. I mean, this is back in the day, right when it was under 14s, under 15s. 
So I played up in age group for the Chargers. And then once all my teammates went to high school, I switched over to uh, Hillsborough United. And I think they're the Tampa Bay United now. They're, in the, they're another academy down there. And then I did that for two or three years and then ended my career with the Chargers. So I was a little bit, I was a little bit of a flip flopper, but now, you know, now that I've had some success, both of them like to claim me. So it's good to go back home and have two clubs that are like, oh yeah, Jeff's our guy. We love Jeff. So it's like, I've kind of bridged that gap a little bit. Yeah. Listen, you don't have to tell me I was a black watch two Clearwater chargers guy. So, uh, but I love Pete Menino, uh, you know, Steve Weggerly was my coach and he, he got me to where I am today, but I, I got to give love to, uh, to Peter Menino and what he's done with the Clearwater chargers there. You, you did something I never did with Clearwater and that you won a Florida state cup. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I did. I did that with Hillsborough. <laughs> yeah. oh, I did Hillsborough. that with the other guys. Yeah. I did oh, that with no. the other guys. Yeah. I didn't know you played for the chargers. Yeah. It was way back when, man, my brother was on the team and then, uh, uh, Steve Kimbrell was like the guy running the show and then, uh, you know, throw some Tampa names out there, but, uh, but yeah, I, I played with the chargers up, uh, you know, once I could drive, I loved going across the bay, uh, just cruising across the water and, and going over there and training. So a little, um, a little was, Jim DeNoble, a little Jim DeNoble in your life, maybe a little no, bit. No, I know Jim, but no, no Jim, yeah. no Jim in my life. Peter's son played with me. So I was, uh, Peter, Peter's uh, Peter's guy. So uh, okay. Justin Menino, shout out were to you him. On that night, were you on that? I know that this is probably going off the rails, but was were you on that 19 team that won the national championship? Uh, nope, nope. That definitely would not be me. Um, <laughs> I think that might have been a different age group, but we we were we were a good squad, man. We just uh, we had some guys that liked to party a little too much, um, yeah. and that, that, that kind of hurt us. That, that kind of hurt us in the uh, in the big games. So, but uh, but I know. Was it Hillsborough? That was, or actually, let's go, let's flip it. You also went to Countryside High School. Um, you know, for me, Countryside wasn't a powerhouse in soccer, but I know when you were there, y'all were at one point the, the number one team in the nation. I think you won a 6A state cup. For those that don't know, 6A means they had a ton of kids that went to school. There it was a big, big school. Uh, tell me a little bit about going to Countryside and winning a, a a state cup there yeah so so that was you know that was back in the day when high school soccer was still a thing nowadays it's you know when I talk about high school soccer people kind of give me that cross-eyed look that it actually meant something but you know for me high school was high school it was pretty much everybody that I played club soccer with happened to be zoned for our high school so we took our we pretty much took our club soccer team added a few other pieces added a few other people from clubs from different clubs around the area and played for our high school team and then my junior year we won states, which was, you know, it was awesome. We beat, uh, we beat Gaither. I had a bunch of buddies, Eddie Bobbio, old player. We, uh, old MLS guy. We had a bunch of guys that I was friends with uh, that played on Gaither. So we beat them. They were number one in the country. Beat them twice to win, the, to win the state championship. And I was pretty fortunate that during that state run with high school, that's when I got scouted for college, which is like, you know, nowadays, when you think about how did you get to college and I say, oh, somebody saw me playing a high school game, you know, that wouldn't even be a thing. And even back then, it was pretty rare. So I was pretty fortunate that the local guy saw me during a high school game. But yeah, so we won states my my junior year. And then my senior year, we were undefeated, number one in the nation and then lost to a team, lost to a team that we had beaten three times already in the in the somewhere along the way in that conference tournament. And I remember after that, you know, don't do this. If you're, if you're a kid listening to this at home, don't do that. But I had already signed my scholarship. So after we lost that game, I just kind of shut down. I shut everything down for the rest of my high school, uh, for the rest of my high school career. So 
so yeah, that was a tough loss, but it was a fun, it was a fun run in high school. Cause when you're winning, when you're winning with your school, it's like, you know, there's that school spirit and you know, I loved it. I love playing high school. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I've been, I've been a, a, a vocal person about, I can't believe that these kids don't play high school soccer now um, because you know, these are people you go to school with every day and you want to show them you're good at something. And it's like, you know, how do they know if you have a soccer team, but none of the kids that are any good, not to say that some kids aren't good on the high school team, but if you're limited on playing, you're saying, no, I'm a really good player in the state of Florida. And they're like, well, you're not even on the high school team. Like, how, how do we get to see you play? Because let's be honest, a lot of these kids probably aren't going to go watch their friends play in, uh, you know, Orlando or Tallahassee or Miami. Uh, you know, it's just the, the reality. Speaking of traveling, I saw an interesting thing uh, about you. You claim you blame soccer that you never went to a prom or homecoming till your senior year. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Did anybody get to do anything growing up playing soccer? I mean, you know, as a, as a guy, if I was in your locker room, I would say, uh, you know, maybe it was acne or something else, but you're blaming the, <laughs> you're blaming the sport of soccer for you not going to any of the dances, you know? I could, but I listen, I'll probably blame the other things for the girls breaking up with me, but I couldn't go, I couldn't go to the events. I couldn't go to the event. Were you able to go to a lot of events, man? I couldn't go to anything I, you know, because of soccer the, schedule. The big ones I missed were like the, you know, the young life trips. Uh, like I think they would go skiing and, you know, there were a couple big ones like the nights out in uh, Orlando and stuff where I look at the time you're like, that's lame. Um, but looking back on it now, it's like, man, I wish I, I wish I would have done some of those. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, listen, I was, uh, I was a stud goalie for the state champs, man. You think, of course I had the dates. I had the dates lined up. I just could never follow through with it. So they eventually left me because I couldn't ever take them anywhere. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, we, well, I jumped a little ahead to start off. Tell me, I know you were, uh, you, you are, and, uh, it's probably the biggest sports fan that we've had on the podcast probably will be the biggest sports fan. And we'll get into a little bit more of that later. Um, I, I thought a couple interesting things about your youth. Uh, it looked like you played baseball. Uh, I'm going to assume as a goalie, you probably played football or basketball at some point. Um, but it's ironic that uh, at an early age, they said you were too competitive and your, your competitiveness was a, was a bad thing, which is ironic because then you become a professional and they're like, oh, you know, Jeff was always competitive. We always knew he was going to make it. I mean, is, is that accurate? You were too competitive at a young age? I mean, I used to get pretty upset, but I think that it's all, I think that, you know, you have to have that a little bit, right? Like if you're competing like that across the board and, you know, now that I'm a dad, when I think about kids competing or what I want my kids to look like when they're competing, it's a little bit of a balance, you know, it's, you want them to have that competitive spirit, but when they lose, you know, there might've been a couple of times where I was pitching and getting roughed up that, you know, I was probably throwing some tantrums that I shouldn't have based off of my competitive nature. So that, that was probably not ideal, but, you know, I think that, it, to make it to this level, everybody has to have that type of edge. And that's not something that you're getting, you know, you're not getting that while you get, when you get to the pros, you have to have that, you know, kind of on the journey up. And if anything, I think I've probably, you know, tapered down a little bit now that I'm in the pro ranks, because it's, uh, you know, when you get to that, when you get to this point, everybody in the locker room is competitive and you don't need to, you know, be the guy walking around pounding your chest. That's not really my, that's not really my thing now, but but yeah, I mean, I played, I played them all growing up, man. I played basketball, football, baseball, not much like, not much golf or anything like that, but I just love the team sports. And, you know, I think that a lot of people say this, but I really credit a lot of the other sports I did to me being good at goalie, because I think a lot of it translates and, you know, a lot of those things that you're doing in basketball, you're going up, grabbing rebounds, 
going up, grabbing across. You know, I was a catcher. I was pitcher, catcher, and shortstop. So a lot of that is throwing, blocking, moving your feet, things like that. So I love them all growing up, and, you know, I love them all still now, and it's just stuck with me my whole life. Yeah, and you, you kind of hinted at um, some of the other sports for, uh, you know, Florida is one of those places where it's it's really, you know, with spring training, it's a big baseball state, and uh, obviously football is, is, is a big one there as well. And, uh, you know, every, every person I've had on the podcast, I always go and look up to see if they made the notable alums uh, at their high school. And you and I both have something in common in that uh, our high schools don't give us any love as, uh, as notable alums, which is funny because I, I would argue that your resume is, uh, is better than most of the people that are on there. Uh, a lot of baseball, a lot of football. But in your case, the most I've ever seen uh, as a lot of authors. And uh, that's kind of ironic because uh, as we get to later in the podcast, uh, maybe it's something that the teachers were teaching at, at Countryside High School that uh, produces authors uh, talking about your, your children's books. But before we get to that, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about IMG, uh, PDL. Uh, we're talking about soccer journeys here. And uh, there is no team I hated more. I hate the New York Red Bulls. I hate Dallas. Uh, I kind of have to hate Atlanta just from my seven minutes of fame in Atlanta. Uh, but I hated IMG more than any other program growing up because uh, those guys were, they were good one, but two, it was just like, I don't know, man, it, they always had our number. So talk to me a little bit about being a, a PDL player at the IMG Academy. Well, since you hate IMG, I think you'll appreciate this story a little bit. So, <laughs> so when I was in, cause you know, when you go through college, right? You're in college and then there's that summer where you're doing nothing, right? There's no spring season. Your coaches can't keep tab on you. If anything, you're, you're coaching those camps, right? You're just coaching the camps and maybe training a little bit there, training on your own. So my college, IMG is like an hour down the road from, from where I went to school at USF. And a lot of guys from USF were every day, they were going to IMG to play for this, uh, for the PDL, right? PDL, PDL, every coaches are saying, you got to play in the PDL if you ever want to do anything. So I was like, all right. So I did it twice. So they used to call me. They were calling me all the time on spring break. These coaches of this PDL IMG team were always blowing up my phone whenever I was on spring break for college. Like, oh, come play. Like, come play. Come play. And each year. So for two years straight, they got me to commit. So I took the trip like the first week. You know, you're playing in two weeks. So I did the I did the back and forth for two weeks, played one game first season, got a shutout. We won one nothing and I never went back. I was, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I want my summer. I want my summer. I'm playing college. Like, I don't need to be doing this. I don't care. Moving on. So then the next year, you know, I got, I got named all American and you know, people, it was starting to get a little more serious. You know, you got to do this. If you want to play pro, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Getting calls, getting calls, getting calls. So I said, all right, I'll do it. Go again, do my two weeks. I think we tied zero, zero. I think, I think we tied zero, zero. I know I've never given up a goal in PDL. I think we tied zero, zero. I did it once and I said, you know what? I just can't do this. So I've, I've played two games, got two shutouts in PDL, represented IMG well, but I did, I did quit both years after the first week because I, I enjoyed my college summers more than I enjoyed the drive over to IMG Academy. Well, I mean, that makes me happy. That makes me happy. Ironically, you know, we talked about not being on the notable alum. You are in your two game, uh, two game shutout, you are a notable alum of the IMG PDL team. Uh, you joined other people like Michael Parker, Heath Pierce, Stephen Keel. <laughs> and uh, for those that are jump rope enthusiasts like myself, uh, Zach Boggs is on there. So 
Uh, that's a I live with Zach. Tech. I lived. I live with Zach Boggs. I, I live with Zach Boggs. My freshman year, he once stole a PlayStation game, <laughs> my Guitar Hero PlayStation game, because we were making too much noise because he was studying. Because he's a very, very smart student. He was a junior. He had just transferred, and we were just freshmen being idiots playing Guitar Hero. And he once stole it and hit it until he moved out. True story. You should have. You should have stolen his jump rope. You would have got even with him. No, nah, he would have. He 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 was a fit guy. He probably could have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you uh, you talked about uh, USF, University of South Florida, school that uh, did not recruit me at all, even though I was uh, there in the state, uh, in the city, uh, you know, still going over to the field and training. Uh, didn't make it with uh, John Hackworth as the coach, but you were there with George Kiefer. Um, you know, you were a three-year starter. As you mentioned, you were an All-American, Big East goalie of the year. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, goalie, it's tough. It's tough for me to explain to people the journey that goalies go through right because it's you're just waiting for one opportunity and if you seize that opportunity and you have you have some success and you don't get hurt uh, you can be the guy and it, it sounds like you were you were the guy at USF for uh, you know starting uh, your sophomore year on yeah so it's, it's interesting because I didn't you know my whole path had never I never really expected to play pro playing professional wasn't ever my goal it really wasn't my goal was always to get a scholarship and go to college and I always wanted to go to I wanted to go to a big school you know I was and and like I said USF happened to see me Jim DeNoble the name I said earlier he was the goalie coach at my that recruited me he happened to see me at a high school game because he was just there watching locally and and you know that's how I ended up at USF so I wouldn't take the non-recruiting things too personal because I don't think they recruited much in Tampa at the time but <laughs> But for me, it was, you know, I, I got in there and, and like you said, um, you know, we had a guy there who was, he was in the national team, he was in the national team picture. And, you know, I kind of knew going into it that I was going to be the number, number two or number three. And so my freshman year, uh, it was, it's so funny, you know, they tell me that they're going to redshirt me. They're like, our plan is to redshirt you that way, you know, you get an extra year, you can maybe get your graduate's degree and, you know, it'll all be kind of on the company dime, which for me, I was pumped about because you know, I was there to get an education. That's why I went to college. I was there to, to play some soccer, see how far I can take it. But ultimately, I wanted to, you know, get a degree, get my master's and kind of be on my way. And then right the same week that I had the meeting with the coach telling me that he was going to redshirt, the goalie at the time picked up uh, an injury. So he tells me I'm going to redshirt. And then that week I'm starting. So, so, you know, I played a couple games my freshman year and I did pretty well. And then, um, you know, when he got healthy, he got back in. And then because I played those couple games, you know, going into preseason of my sophomore year, it was just an open competition. You know, I, I did well, I showed well in those games, and then I wasn't redshirting anymore. So it just created an open competition, um, you know, to no fault of the other goalie, you know, we got, we got blown out a couple games. I actually thought he played really well. You know, we lost to Notre Dame pretty big and he had tons and tons of saves, but you know, that's kind of the life of a goalie that if the team's not winning and you're giving up lots of goals, whether it's your fault or not, you know, they're going to look to somebody else to see if they can kind of steady things down a little bit. And, you know, so I got my opportunity to start in that game and the next game after that blowout and just kind of never looked back. Um, you know, my sophomore year, we had a really good team. We were really deep. We made a run to the elite eight and got beat by, got beat bad by the, one of the best Wake Forest college teams I've ever, I've ever experienced in my life. We like, we go up to Wake Forest and just got run over, but you know, we won the Big East that year, which was a first for the school. And, you know, that was kind of my big coming out party of, you know, my sophomore year getting put on the radar. And, 
you know, fortunately I played well my junior year and never expected it, but got named first team all American and, and, you know, one big East goal of the year. And after that, it just kind of shifts focus to, all right, like this is, this kind of seems like a path that I can follow. And, and, you know, I wrote out my senior year, to be honest, I, I didn't do it as well as I would have hoped. Like I was very, uh, once I got the buzz to, once I got people buzzing in my ear about playing pro, like a lot of my focus went to that, which, you know, if I could go back in time, I probably did myself a disservice for my senior year, but, you know, played my senior year and, and had a good run, got to be, you know, got named all American, which was awesome. Something that, you know, I'm really proud of and, and you know, I was able to be the captain of the team for two years, which is something that, you know, I take a lot of pride in that as well. So it was really, it was good. And, and then at the time, you know, Florida, people don't realize this Florida had soccer professional soccer teams when I was I'm a little bit older than you. Um, you know, and then when I went to college, they got rid of uh, the mutiny and uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, the Miami fusion. The fusion. Yeah. You know, Oh yeah. Um, but you know, there were no pro teams. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of these guys we've had on the podcast and you, I mean, every locker room that you go to, there's some kid in there that played, you know, oh, I was training and I got invited in to play with the, uh, the pros. And then I realized I could do it, you know, but, uh, we didn't really have that experience, uh, in Florida. You went to Sweden, right? Is that, uh, was that in college? Yeah, so after my junior year, I went, I got a nice little run. Um, I went on a two-week trip over to Sweden. Um, I, I, Bedoya was playing for the team at the time. So, you know, that's kind of like a, that was like kind of my connection to somebody who's done it over in America. So I did two years out there, or two weeks out there. It was just kind of like a trial, fun, go play type thing. I uh, got invited back to go back after my senior year, but, you know, decided I wanted to stay, you know, I wanted to do the the USA route, as you say, I'm a big sports fan and the idea of not having football on TV just wasn't doing it for me. Um, so, so yeah, I went over to Sweden. We did have, when I was around, we had the Rowdies. The Rowdies had just started back up. So I had an opportunity to play with them a couple times and, you know, I definitely showed well when I was with them. So it made me feel pretty confident that I could do it at, you know, kind of do it at the next level. Okay. Well, just for those uh, Rowdies fans, I, I grew up going to the Rowdies games. My coach was Steve Weigerly, and uh, and I used to go watch Perry Vanderbeck play in person. Uh, anyone in Tampa knows that that muffin of hair is uh, – He was my GM. Is, he was, he signed me to my yeah. first pro yeah. contract. That's, that's, that's the, the Rowdies guy. So, um, well, let's, you decide you're going to uh, not go to Europe. You get drafted in the 2011 Super Draft. Uh, but it was a supplemental round. Um, I, too, was hoping to get drafted in, in any point of the draft. But for you, your expectations were a little bit different than mine. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, being ex expecting to be drafted in the, uh, the first rounds and then, you know, finding out later, uh, you know, that you're taken in a supplemental draft. Yeah, it was pretty brutal, to be honest. It was a, it was a situation where, you know, you're, go, you're getting geared up for this whole thing and, you know, you're reading those mock drafts, you're doing all that stuff and you're hearing the rumors about where you're going to go. And, you know, you go down to the combine, I did the combine and, you know, I didn't get scored on, but I also didn't face one shot. So it wasn't really an opportunity to, wasn't an opportunity to show myself. And, you know, I think that for whatever reason that I slipped in the draft, I think there was like six, the goalie class of that year was really good. Actually, looking back at it, I've done that a few times, but you know, I think there were four or five other goalies drafted ahead of me on on the actual draft. And, you know, it was tough. I'm watching it with my with my soon to be wife. And, you know, we're kind of like watching and hoping and, you know, really anticipating getting selected. And for that not to happen was pretty tough. But, you know, we took the weekend and kind of dealt with it, shook it off. And, 
I was walking through the mall. I didn't even know that the supplemental draft was going on. I was walking through the mall and, you know, somebody called me and said, hey, like, go to this website and check and refresh. And <laughs> so, you know, you go on, you log in, you refresh. And I saw my name next to Salt Lake, which was, you know, an awesome, a cool experience. And, and, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out the first time, which I'm sure we'll get to, but, you know, to be selected and to have that moment was something that was still pretty cool, even though it wasn't as early as I thought it would be. Yeah. And you've been vocal about, uh, you know, when the draft comes around, what, what advice, um, you know, you, you, you kind of have this mentor role as you get older now, uh, you know, what do you tell these guys? Cause um, you know, I, I've been, I've gone to rookie symposiums where, you know, these guys are, you know, they invite these kids that maybe haven't been drafted or they're about to get drafted. And um, you know, their, their expectations are just half the battle. You know, it's more than half 90% of the battle is just saying, like, just calm down, man. It's like, this is, this is a small step into a, a bigger journey, but um, you know, having been through that roller coaster of emotions, what do you tell guys now, um, you know, when you go out and you talk to high school kids, club kids, uh, you know, other goalies that are, are looking at making the transition to pro? I think now it's, it's and the draft has changed so much, right? Like the, the process of the draft and, and, you know, what happens after the draft for some of these kids. But, you know, nowadays, I think it's just all about being excited and embracing the opportunity to be within a system. You know, now, now that the way that the, that the, the pro level is set up. It's very like tiered, right? You have the MLS team, you have your USL team, and then you have your academy and a system like that. So I think that, you know, if you're able to be somebody in college who didn't go through the academy system and aren't already tied to a homegrown team, even getting yourself into the system of a club is a big accomplishment. And that's something that should be celebrated because not everybody even gets that opportunity. So, you know, I think that no matter where you're drafted, it's something that you know, even if it's if it's not as high as you thought it would be or if it's not as high as you were hoping, there's still a lot of pride to be taken in the fact that you were able to reach this goal and reach this moment in your career because then you're just getting started, right? Once you're in the system, it's a clean slate for everybody and you're just getting started. So it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like you could draft a guy number one overall, but if the guy you drafted 100 is outperforming them in preseason – you know, the guy that they're going to be looking at the guy that they drafted a hundred more than the guy that they drafted number one. So it's just something to be proud of. And, you know, that's really as cliche as it sounds, right. When you get drafted, that's when the work actually starts. Cause that's when you really got to start impressing people. So I yep. think it's kind of one of those things that you hang your hat on being proud of the accomplishment, but at the same time, like realizing the situation, kind of realizing the situation that you're in. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, once you, you know, once you get drafted, then the work really begins, as you hinted at earlier, um, you know, you're, you're drafted by Salt Lake, but uh, you get released. Uh, talk to me a little bit about coming home to, to play for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which is, I mean, honestly, I, I was hoping uh, when I, at the end of my career, I get that opportunity. It wasn't really there when I was, uh, when I was done, but it, it had to have been just an awesome experience. It was, you know, at first, at first it definitely, it took a lot of pride swallowing, you know, because um, at the time that was, at the time, like I played for a college team that was competitive and could beat that and could beat that Rowdies team. So, you know, that's a new startup. That was a new startup NASL team when the NASL existed. And that was a team that we scrimmaged all the time with USF and we were competitive and we would beat them. So, you know, to, to kind of go through the process of being drafted by Salt Lake and being really excited you know, I get out there and Tim Mealy is the third, like Tim Mealy is the third string goalie. Kyle Ranish was there for a long time. He was the backup. And obviously Nick is the starter. 
And that year they were preparing for Champions League. Like they had Champions League within like three weeks of starting preseason. So me being the young, you know, idiot goalie that got drafted and didn't really understand the situation I was walking into, like I just got steamrolled. Like they were just head and above better than me. They were in form getting ready for Champions League. And it was just very no nonsense, like not a lot of time to figure out if you're good or not, because we got to get the ball rolling. So I was very fortunate, very lucky that the Rowdies were there for me because I had played against them so much. But it did take me a little while to, you know, kind of swallow that, swallow that pill of, you know, this is, I thought I was going to be here. Like I was talking to teams in Europe. I decided to go to the, I decided to go to the MLS draft and the draft didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. And now like, here I am, you know, at the time playing at club fields that like the Chargers wouldn't have played at. So it was a very, it was a very humbling experience for me, but you know, at the same time to be able to go through that experience and have that team in my hometown made all the difference because I don't think if I would have been playing in that situation in a, in a city outside of Tampa, you know, where my family was there, where I was comfortable and I had a lot of friends there that, you know, were away from the game. I honestly don't think I would have lasted. So that's why I'm so grateful for the Rowdies and, you know, supportive of the organization that they have now because they've just meant so much to me. And I don't think that my career would have even, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have lasted if yeah. I was doing the USL right. gig somewhere outside of the home city. I just know myself and it just wouldn't have happened. Well, you, you talk about, uh, you know, we talk about opportunity, right? And, and you know, swallowing your pride and just kind of getting back to work, putting your feet in the ground. And, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity. And, and you know, you took it. And, um, you know, you were an NASL champion there. Uh, Y'all have one of the cooler stories in the soccer bowl. Um, you know, you, I would have to imagine, um, you know, I never tell anyone what their highlights of their life are, but I would have to imagine, um, you're, you know, you had a penalty shootout performance, uh, where you saved three penalties in the, in one of the legs, uh, to win that championship against Minnesota. I'd have to imagine that's up there, um, on your, on your list of, uh, of cool things. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was like a, uh, they played a baseball stadium. It was a walk-off. So we had, so we were you know, we had the, we had the final and it was awesome. Like they have great fans down there. They really, you know, when, when the team's doing well, they're able to pack the house and they have their own supporters section, Ralph mob, Ralph's mob. I'm sure you're familiar with them. And, um, you know, it was cool. We, we, we made a dramatic comeback. We were down away goals. Didn't count. Cause I, I, I always read this story and I'm like, away. why didn't we lose? Cause we probably should have <laughs> lost, <laughs> but, but away goals, they didn't do away goals. The traditional way soccer does away goals. So it was just, you know, away goals don't matter and it's head to head. So, you know, we lost, I think we lost two nothing away at Minnesota. And then we came back and won three to one. We scored like with like five minutes left to, to go up three to one to force the overtime. And we got a red card in overtime and, you know, we were able to hold on to them for penalties. I ended up saving three of them. And, you know, it's always, uh, whenever you get the chance to play hero ball as a goalie, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and to be able to do it at your hometown. And, you know, especially in front of, you know, all the coaches and all the people that have really helped me get to this point. It was awesome, man. It was definitely up there on the highlights and, and, you know, it's a, it's a memory that I'll remember and it being in Tampa makes it all the better. Right. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I get, I'm happy for you, man. I just, I just being like this, I am a soccer bowl champion, you know, that's gotta be something not many people can say. Uh, so, so that's awesome. You know, you, you ride that success. Tell me about getting called back to uh, Salt Lake in 2013. 
Yeah, you know, it was always my goal to it was always my goal to to parlay what I was doing with the Rowdies back to the MLS. You know, that was always my that was always the objective. And and you know, I I until it happens, you're not, you know what I mean? Until it until it actually happens, you're not feeling great about it. But you know, once I got that phone call from Salt Lake, there were a couple other teams interested in me, but for whatever reason, Salt Lake still had my rights, even though they drafted me and even though they drafted me and cut me and told me they didn't want me for some reason, I was still uh, technically their, their player property. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand that side of it, but at the time I didn't necessarily really care either. Um, so yeah, to get that phone call from their GM and, and, you know, working with my agent to know that they were going to offer me a contract and, you know, initially the, the role was to come in as the, as the backup, um, you know, later, I got MLS again. Later, they signed uh, they signed another goalie to take that job from me <laughs> in my first preseason again. But you know the way things shook out to be to be back with Salt Lake and you know ultimately to be in a group of people that I had already met and I was comfortable with and it was kind of like a, a redemption moment for me in my career. Was you know it was cool. It was awesome. Yeah, and talk to me. You know, you kind of uh, I played with Nick for a long time. I consider Nick a friend. Um, I played with Kyle Rainish for a little bit. And then I know Tim Melia from uh, various things. He's a big personality. Um, you know, talk to me. Almost every team I've been on, you know, Houston was uh, a little bit of the exception and that the goalies all got along um, everywhere else. They didn't. Um, and it's a tough position, right? Because you're taking reps and there's some guys are better shot blockers. Some guys are better with their feet. Um you know, and it's an ego, it's a big ego thing. I don't think people realize that goalies don't always get along. Um, you know, it seems to me from afar that you, you had, a, uh, you've had a good relationship with most of the guys you've played with. Um, but, you know, what's it like being, you know, looked at as the number two or potentially number three guys sometimes, um, you know, and you've been very vocal about, just being a good teammate and, you know, like you said earlier, competitive guy, but maybe staying in your lane a little bit so that, uh, cause that's what the team needs at the time. Yeah. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in like, I, I've heard stories of goalies not getting along and things like that. And, and, you know, I'm just the exact opposite. Like I try to get along. I, there's always that competitive spirit, right? There's always that competitive edge at the end of the day you know that you're competing against the person that you happen to be training with all the time. And I think that's something that makes being a goalie really unique is that there's only one guy playing, right? Generally there's a number one. Sometimes there's like, you know, sometimes you do the revolving door a little bit and, and that's when things can get a little bit dicey in terms of, you know, dealing with people and trying to manage that relationship. But ultimately there's always a number one and there's a guy that's playing and there's other guys that aren't. And I always, I always looked at it as, being a goalkeeper, there's so much pressure on the position. There's so much, there's so much of a mental side of it that goes into being a goalie that of course you want to be competitive, but if I'm, if I'm on somebody's team, like if I'm somebody's teammate, it's not my role to, you know what I mean? I'm doing the team a disservice if I'm chipping away at that guy every day and, and being, you know, kind of being a prick for lack of a better term, because I've run into people like that. And, you know, if you're, if you're a guy that you're training with every single day and you feel like you have to, you have to worry and fight with the people that are supposed to be helping you get better, then come Saturday, like you're not going to perform at your best. And I'm, I'm always the type of guy that I want to see a goalie have success. Like I understand the mental, the mental strains of it. I understand like the, the difficulties of the position, 
And so for me, I'm always the type of guy that's trying to keep things loose. You know, I'm more, I'm more of a guy that wants to be friendly with somebody. And of course I'm competing with them, but at the same time, if I'm trashing that person, it doesn't do me any favors. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't help me any. So I'm, I'm always a guy that tries to put the team first. And if the person's playing, then they're the ones that need, you know what I mean? Maybe that extra TLC, they need that extra attention. They need that little bit of extra love and that it helps get them through the weekend. So that's kind of always the way that I've looked at it, but I've definitely run into goalies that, you know, they're, they're down to, they're down to mess with, they're down to play the psychological game a little bit and, you know, try to mess with you a little bit. But, you know, for me, I just always have done a good job of, you know, kind of laughing those people off and somehow making them my friends by the end of the season. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just as a center back, man, I can't tell you how many conversations I had where, you know, a goalie gets beat and I, I kick it off the line. And then the other goalie is saying, you know, well, you didn't do that when we, when I was out there, man, like, you know, that would have been nice. And it's like, it's like, come on, man, you're going to, you're going to like, you think I have an agenda outside of helping the team. Um, but you know, goalies, I say goalies, you know, not, not you in particular, um, you know, and not a lot of them that I've necessarily played with, but I have played with some, you know, that they're, they're up there with forwards in terms of the, uh, you know, the drama. And I mean, no one's as bad as some of the forwards I played with, but goalies aren't far behind them. And they're, you know, out of all the positions, it's, it's forwards and then goalies in terms of uh, being fragile. And, you know, I, I tell people center back, it, it's a tough position because you can play a great game for 89 minutes and make one mistake. Goalie's even harder because uh, you're the guy that, that gets, you're on the highlight reel. If you make a gaffe, uh, you know, it's on Twitter, you know, instantly they got pages dedicated to goalies making mistakes. Um, you know, and then if you do make a heck of a save, it's like a, it's a two second clip and yeah, they don't show, <laughs> yeah, they don't show, you know, like uh, the best goalies in the world, like their highlight reels are like two minutes long. Cause it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Like, great job. You were good. And it's like, or it's like, or the good save is advertised. It's like, look at this incredible shot. <laughs> like, yeah, like, what yeah, about exactly. the save? Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, for me, for me, I've always had the luxury, you know, I, I look back at it as a luxury because like it, when, when I reflect on my career, it's a lot of, you know, I, I, I just, I take opportunities and I think that this opportunity led me to the next. And when I look back at my time in Salt Lake, when I got to Salt Lake, they brought in, I was supposed to be the number two. They had an opportunity to sign Josh Saunders coming off of, you know, a couple MLS cups and, you know, I'm sure they could have gotten them cheaper than they would have ever thought so they signed they signed josh and then i go from the number two to the number three that was really challenging that was really difficult but i understood it you know like like when you had the opportunity to sign a mls winning goalie to back up oh who is he backing up just the best goalie of all time like i understood where i was on the pecking order so i just took it as a as an opportunity to you know pick josh's brain to pick nick's brain to just watch and study and and, you know, be friendly with them. Cause I, you know what I mean? Like I enjoy soccer mainly because of the people that I get to meet and the experiences that I get to have. And I was always in Salt Lake. I always knew like Nick's the one, Nick's the guy you're going to get opportunities to play because Nick's going to go to the national team or, you know, Nick's going to do this, Nick's going to do that. But I was always the number two. And I knew that, and you have to be comfortable in that. And you have to be okay with that because if you're always fighting it, then you're not going to be okay you know what I mean? Your day to day is going to be miserable. And, you know, eventually it got to the, it got to the point where I wasn't wanting to be his number two anymore. And I was ready to step out. 
And instead of, you know, being combative and being a guy that Salt Lake didn't want to see that like Salt Lake wanted to hold back because, you know, they just wanted me to, to keep me there. They wanted to do what was right for me. And ultimately they let me find a way to get out. So it was like, you know, I feel like I was rewarded for kind of my mentality and the way that I handled the situation. Yeah. And, you know, before you, you go on to uh, the expansion draft, let's talk about y'all. Y'all did win a Western conference championship. Uh, so that was, that was good. Um, but then, uh, you know, talk to me about exiting, you know, a lot of people don't realize the human element behind uh, someone saying, I want to go be the number one, but if I'm correct, you, you just bought a house. I think you were about to have a baby or just had a baby. Um, and then there's this great expansion draft where you get taken by Minnesota. Uh, so you say, okay, I'm going to Minnesota, but maybe you knew a lot of times guys know what's going on in the background. A lot of times they don't, uh, but you end up in Portland, but you know, did you know that was going down and uh, talk to me, tell me a little bit about what your family was thinking uh, during this whole process. I have an amazing wife and my wife is down for the ride. She's a, she's ride or die. Like she's down for the ride. So at the time we had, I just signed a longer term deal with Salt Lake to kind of give myself a little bit of security. And, you know, I love Salt Lake. Like you said, we made the final in 13. It was, you know, probably the most fun year of my entire life being with that group of guys and, and going on that ride with them. And, you know, I was, we were comfortable there. We were really comfortable there. And it, it was always issue in my back of my mind. You know, I always told my wife that I feel like if I was anywhere besides playing behind Nick, that I could be a number one. And, and I stayed pretty, stayed pretty true to that belief. And, you know, my wife, I, I convinced my wife of that too. You know, I beat it in her head too. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep beating it in people's heads until they actually, you know, believe you. And yeah, so we, we bought a house about a year and a half before um, we were very settled in. We loved our house. And then we had my daughter in October and yeah, we went home. Something happened in, something happened in my wife's family where we had to go home pretty quick for the off season. We always go back to Tampa for off seasons. Doesn't matter where we are just because when you can go back in 70 and sunny, you know how it is, you're going to do it. So we went back a little bit earlier than, than we were expecting and, you know, weren't expecting anything to happen, but Little did we know, we left early November. We had my daughter in mid-October. We left early November, and you know that was the last time my wife ever saw the house. So, so we went back for the off season, and I remember my agent calling me and saying, you know, would you want to go to the would you want to go to the Portland Timbers? And I was like, uh, yeah, like who, you know what I mean? Like who wouldn't want to play for the Timbers when you come here and you know see the see the stadium and see the atmosphere and you know, we had won a couple, we had won the championship here in, in Portland. So I had some good nights out here and you know what I mean? I knew what the city was all about. And uh, so I got that phone call and, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it was like, all right, well, watch the expansion draft because if Minnesota takes you, the plan is for Minnesota to trade you to Portland. Like, I don't know if they're going to take you, but just kind of keep your eye on it. So, you know, I run home, I tell my wife and I'm like, all right, this is, this is what's going to happen. Like keep your eye on the expansion draft. And, you know, we have a newborn, and the, and the funniest thing about the whole thing is this was the first year I had signed up to go to the union meetings in Vegas. So, so we got this newborn and I'm like, Oh yes. Like, I love you, honey. I got to go to this player's unit in Vegas. Like, sorry, I got to go to Vegas to do this. Like the team needs me. And so within the first 24 hours of being out in Vegas, I'm sitting in my first union meeting, refreshing my phone. I get drafted and, and I see that Minnesota's taken me. And so, you know, from there, it's just, you know, not, don't listen to this players union, but I'm like half listening to what the players union saying. Cause I'm like, my whole life is flipped on its head. 
And then, um, yeah, it was pretty, from there, it was pretty funny. From there, it got pretty interesting because from the, the Minnesota side, the owner, the owner like shot me a text the next day, but I was always just assuming that I was going to get traded to Portland and it was going to be pretty instant, but it ended up taking like two or three weeks for that to come for everything to come together. And, you know, it's a lot of texts to my agent because the Minnesota people aren't talking to me because they don't really want me, but then the Portland people can't talk to me because technically I'm on Minnesota. So it's yeah. just a lot of texting my agent, texting my agent, like, what's going to happen? He's like, don't worry, it's going to go through. And then like the next day, it's like, oh, there's just a little snag. And I'm like, a little snag, like, like I have a newborn. I have like, where are we moving? Like, I have a newborn. I have to sell this house. Like, I got to I got to get the ball rolling a little bit. But eventually, you know, I got the call from Gavin that things went through. And, and you know, my time in Portland, it's I couldn't have ended up in a better club. So I was really happy how it happened. But, you know, I was a paranoid. I was a paranoid guy there for about a month. <laughs> Well, you you, uh, you also followed uh, RSL and Portland legend uh, Nat Borchers out there, so that that's you, you got a familiar face and a buddy uh, there. Um, you you had some success. I I do want to talk about Portland, but uh, you've won a Western Conference championship there. I think one of the cooler things that you'll remember, uh, people uh, aren't too sure about this one, but the MLS back tournament. Uh, that's something that is. It's like a one-time thing. I hope to God it's a one-time thing. Um, yeah, but but uh, you know that was that was pretty unique. Um, you know, but you've really played for two clubs with phenomenal fan bases, and you hinted at like why would I not want to go to Portland because of the atmosphere that uh, they created when you played there. Um, you know, talk to me. I don't want you to tell me that Portland is better than. Uh, Salt Lake or put you in that position. Salt Lake has a special uh, group of fans. It's built a great culture. There's a lot of former Salt Lake players that tweet and root for Salt Lake. I think that's the biggest indicator of how well a club does things. Uh, Portland is no different. Uh, but talk to me what makes Portland so special, uh, you know, having played for a, a club like Salt Lake that had great fans, but to go to Portland where it's, you know, in my opinion, maybe a little bit elevated, um, you know, what, what's that like? You know, I've I've been very I've I've been very fortunate because when you travel a lot, when you travel around this league and you and you see, of course, the league's growing. There are a lot of new teams that are bringing it now, and you know the fan bases are growing and things are headed in an amazing direction. But it wasn't always like that, you know. Especially, you know, I know when you were in the league, things were way different, and and you know when I was in the when I first got into the league, things were different back then as well. So I'll say that I've the the thing that the two clubs both have is they create a family a family feel you know what I mean so it's like uh like you're there for work like you understand that like you're there for business you're there for work but within that work you know they do the best that they can to create kind of like a family environment like an all-inclusive environment for for the players for their families and and you know for the fans so you know when I first got to Salt Lake of course I'll get to Portland but when I first got to Salt Lake that was on the tail end of that one of the better run teams one of the better teams in MLS history right yep, they, yep. they were they were like this close to winning everything almost yep. every year and you know we had a great run and I got to catch the tail end of that that little dynasty they had with Bex Ned Ned who's out here in Portland now Nat uh Nick you know the list goes on so I got I was fortunate enough to experience that but you know I'm not a like I say I'm not a big soccer guy because I'm a big sports guy right? Like, like if something's on TV, if a sporting event's on TV, I'm watching it. It doesn't need to necessarily be soccer. So yeah, cor cornhole, I, baby. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't, I won't go that far. I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten more into soccer. I've gotten more into soccer. I have, but it's taken me some time to be completely honest. But so I used to tell people, if you want to get into soccer, if you want to see what soccer can truly be like in this country, and this was before I got here, I would say, come watch a game in Portland. I would say, you have to go see a game in Portland. Like don't judge soccer until you go see a game in Portland, Oregon, because the first time I went there as a visiting fan or as a visiting fan, as a visiting goalie, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was just an environment. It was an atmosphere that I didn't know existed. And so I used to tell people that all the time. And then to have the opportunity, you know, when I got that phone call, they said, Hey, do you want to be like, would you want to go to Portland? It was just the biggest no brainer ever. Cause for me, when I envision being a professional athlete, when I envision, you know, being a pro player, it's playing in front of places like that. And, and, and it's happening, you know, of course, like COVID did its own thing and that, you know, that threw things for a wrench, but it happens every single game. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, it's not just big games. You could be playing a Wednesday night game versus the bottom team in the conference that you have no rivalry against, like from the Eastern conference, it doesn't matter. They pack the house and they bring it every single game. And for them, you know, it's uh, for the fan base and, you know, to be a part of the stadium, it's just a different vibe to it that when I think of being a pro athlete, this is how this is how I always envisioned it. And this is how it feels. So it's just uh, it's very unique in that way. And I feel very, very, very honored to be a part of something like that and to be here for so long, because when you're here this long, people really like people really take to you and people really start to get to know you and you do get that family feel. And I have that out here in Oregon and, you know, it's very far away from my home. So it's cool to have that in a place that is so far from, you know, where I call home. Yeah. And they have embraced you there. You, uh, you are a club ambassador. Um, I'm still baffled at what that is, not just for you, but you know, like there are different club ambassadors at different, like, I think Marco Echeverri is an ambassador for DC United as he should be, but I don't think I ever once saw him at anything ever uh, for DC United. So I'm not sure what the ambassador role was for him, but I know there you also, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, you mentoring and, and talking. I know you're uh, you work with the goalies in the Academy, um, you know, this, this season in particular, you've had, you've had a couple, uh, you know, we talked about getting your opportunity and either you have some gaffes, you know, a team gets in a bad run or you get injured in your case. Uh, you've, you've been a little unlucky, um, you know, you had a shoulder injury. And then uh, I, I think the, the one now is your right rectus femoris. Uh, I I'm, see still trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure see, out what that is too. I see the word <laughs> rectus and I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about that, but, but um, you know, I, I make jokes, injuries are a real part of it. Goalies, especially, um, you know, that that's a, it's, you know, we talk about body count. I mean, you play enough games, you're, your fingers get rearranged and your body starts hurting. Um, but you've had some success and, and, but I think for me, it's more of uh, what you've done off the field. And, you know, I know you had a podcast with Zarek uh, when, when he was there, the J and J to Z, I think was the name of it. And now you're doing uh, Jeff and Seth talk smack, or you've had some other stuff out there where you're a really vocal guy, um, you know, and, and it seems like the, the fans have embraced you. Do you, do you feel that love uh, from the fans, not just as a player, but as a personality? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it's funny because, you know, when you, when I first got here, uh, my, my daughter was, my daughter wasn't even one, you know, we had just moved and, and, you know, I'm trying to figure out the whole where I fit into being a dad role, right. You're trying to, you're trying to figure that whole life out. And, 
so I had some success in 2017. I ended up getting a starting job towards the end. Uh, we won, we won the Western conference regular season and then got bounced in the playoffs. But then, but then the next year, you know, I kind of hit the ground running. Um, you know, I had a little, I had a little bit of a knock to start the year and, but then, you know, throughout the summer and, and leading into the fall and into the playoffs, you know, I was, I was on a good run and, you know, I'll never forget. They, it's funny because you don't know what you're, what kind of vibes you're giving off to people. Right. Like, like I always just try to stay as genuine as I possibly can. And then they, they, the Timbers army saw started calling me dad Tanella, dad Tanella, dad Tanella. Cause I guess like, you know, in Portland, you know, there's a lot of tattoos in Portland. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of attitude in Portland, but you know, I guess I just gave off like the ultimate dad vibes to, to the fans <laughs> and to the people. And, and, you know, it's very fitting for who I am. So, so I think that they, they called it out pretty early, but, you know, once, uh, once I got that nickname and then they started doing a, they started doing like a Jeff, Jeff, Jeff chant in 18. And, you know, I, I, I realized that the people had opened up to me and that they really, you know, appreciated me for, for who I was. And, you know, I, I always try to stay pretty true to who I am and they spotted me out as a, as a dad, as a dad guy right away. And, and, you know, so it's been, it's been cool and it's been fun that they've welcomed me so, so much. And that's kind of given me the, you know, I'm a guy, I'm a, I'm always a guy that's thinking of, I always got a lot of things on my mind. I think that goalies do that a lot. So I enjoy talking and, and, you know, Zarek and I wanted to start that podcast because we felt like the, that it would be fun for the Timbers fans to, to be involved. And, you know, we, we called it quits a little bit early because, you know, the season didn't start off too hot. So we didn't, uh, you know, we felt like it might have been it might have been taken away from from what we were doing or we didn't want to give off the impression that it was taken away from what we were doing. So we called that one quits. And yeah, I mean, I tried to we had this other one going here for a little bit for the lightning for the lightning playoffs and leading up to the lightning playoffs. Seth was a big lightning guy. And like I said, man, you got the cup. I like to talk about sports. Like I like to talk. I like to share stories. I like to talk about sports and. And, you know, it's been, it's all been pretty receptive from people. And I think that nowadays athletes are kind of putting themselves out there more and, and you know, I have no problem doing that and I'm pretty comfortable talking and, I, and it's something I enjoy to do. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough or fine line to walk, right? Like the fans crave more and, and you, you want to give it to them because you, you feel like, you know, you've got this big personality and you have these ideas and, and you, but at the same time, the results have to be there because the second they don't go that way, then it becomes ammunition to use against you. And it's funny, right? Like you could have a guy that stays up all night playing Fortnite, uh, doesn't get any sleep, but no one knows that. They don't see that. And then, you know, you could be the best professional and allocate your time and you spend 30 minutes on a podcast. But because that's out there and you have a bad game, then people blame, you know, oh, well, he's more focused on his podcast when it's like, you have no idea what, what my time management skills are like. And uh, so it's tough, right? But I think it's getting better. It helps that goalies can play till they're 50 years old. Uh, you know, it gives you plenty of time to take breaks and come back. And uh, I'm, I'm busting, I'm busting your balls a little well, the bit. Thing, the, thing that, the thing that I've liked, the, and, and when I was younger, and if I was younger, in my younger days, I wouldn't have done these things. I truly wouldn't have. But, but I, know, I know that if I'm putting the work in and if I'm doing what I need to be doing, that they see that, that the coaches see that, that the locker room sees that. And, you know, at the end of the day, the way, the way that I kind of always thought about it was nowadays you sit around a locker room because I'm out there on social media too. Like I'll, I'll put sports opinions out there. I'll put things out there just to kind of see, you know, what it's like out there in that world. And the way I kind of look at it is everybody's sitting around on their phones anyway. Like everybody's sitting there scrolling. 
like you're on it, you're just not putting anything out there. So if I'm going to be on it, I might as well actually be on it and like get involved and see what the world is like. Cause there is a whole different world out there for people that are into sports. And, and, you know, for me, I have no problem trying to bridge that gap because ultimately what I want to do is very focused on other sports outside of soccer. And if I'm not, if I just like was only doing soccer for 12 to 15 years, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, hey, look, the Bucks. People would be like, what? <laughs> so I've, I've, I've planted the seeds, you know. You got to no, plant the seeds it. to what you're trying to do. No, I get it. And, and it's a perfect segue into uh, it had to be told publishing. Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about being uh, the, the, the dad reputation. Um, nothing speaks dad life more than writing children's books. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about how uh, a connection with your daughter led to, uh, you know, writing or, you know, children's books. Yeah, I, I pretty much set myself up for that nickname when I really like look back on, <laughs> look back on my decisions that I've made. Yeah. No, so, so I mean, it's funny, like you'll appreciate this story. I was, I was uh, sitting on the couch and I was about to go to a Bucks game. They were going to be, I was back home. It was this, the year leading into Portland. So my daughter was just born and I was about to go to a Bucks game. They were, they were seven and eight and it was the last game of the year. And I remember being so jacked. I was like, the Bucks are going to go eight and eight. This is everything, you know, like, this is what a good year, like Jameis forever. And so the Bucks are like, so I'm sitting on the couch about to go to that game. And then it just kind of hits me. Like, I'm excited about this team going eight and eight. Like this is the best that it's gotten for me in a very long time with this football team. <laughs> but I live, like, I want to share that excitement with my kids. But like, I live on the other side of the country, hopefully for a long time this team is not good. So I can't like, I'm trying to convince them to like this team that isn't good. So how am I gonna do that? Like, what are the ways that I could start doing that? Because ultimately like everybody likes to cheer for a winner and my kids, if the bucks were still the bucks of old, my kids would be like, why would I want to cheer for that team? So, so, you know, I was just sitting on the couch waiting for my ride to come pick me up for the game. And I just started writing like a note in my phone just like a nursery rhyme note. And the nursery rhyme note was about, it was actually, it ended up being about the Rays and like the Rays making it to the World Series and what that meant and like why I thought that was such a cool moment because they were the worst team in the league forever. And then out of nowhere, they, they made it to the World Series. So I just wrote this like quick note in my phone. It rhymed, it kind of flowed and it just told the story of the Rays and went to the Bucks game, watched the Bucks game. I sat on it all day, just thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And then that night, I was just, I, I took the idea to my father-in-law. My father-in-law is a super entrepreneurial guy. And, you know, I did some research looking to see if these things existed. And there were no, like, children's books telling the historical moments of sports franchises. So from that night, I wrote that. That night, I, I pitched the idea to, I pitched the idea to my father-in-law, who's an entrepreneurial guy. And I knew that he, he's a big sports fan as well. And then he, he was pretty much just like, hey, write a story about the Cubs winning the World Series and let's see what we got. So I took the next couple of days and I wrote out, you know, the entire book of the Cubs winning the World Series and it, and it rhymed and it was nursery rhymes and it, you know, it was, it was speaking in Dr. Seuss language and telling a sports historical moment. And after we read that book, we were just like, you know, this, this works, <laughs> like, this is cool. This is cool. So then we just decided to run with it. And 
you know, that's like the, that's the theme of all of our books are just historical sports moments in, in, in nursery rhyme form. And the idea is to be able to, if you're a parent that loves sports or if you're a kid that loves sports, it's be able to tell these stories with your kids and, you know, remember these moments forever and hopefully a fun way that's good for the kids. Oh, that's great. And I, and I think I saw you haven't done a soccer one yet. <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> I've written well, a Timbers one. I've written a Timbers one, but I've been afraid to pitch it to the higher up. So I've been I've okay. been a little hesitant to pitch that one to the top. Well, maybe maybe ownership's listening, and Gavin will, uh, you know, give you a call on that one. Um, yeah, we'll see. You 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 brought up. Uh, well, first, let me give you a chance to talk about Smack Apparel. It's been a heck of a time. To uh, you know, what's your role there, and you want to plug that? Um, I mean, like you said, it's slim pickings to be a Tampa fan. Uh, for a long time and then all of a sudden it got, it got good and it got good fast uh, but talk to me a little bit about uh, Back to Boat and Smack Apparel. Yeah so Smack Apparel, Smack Apparel is my father-in-law's company. He's been in business for for 23 years and essentially it's a it's an apparel company that they make funny smack talking shirts about rivals or you know very topical moments in sports. So if something like this Brady Bucks like just fun shirts for fan bases. And, and more recently, you know, a lot of players have been, have been wearing them too, which is, which has been pretty cool. And so my role with smack is I always say that I'm a, I'm a professional soccer player, but also a full-time unpaid intern with smack apparel, <laughs> you know? So, so my role with smack is it's, it's always ever changing, but it's just a family business. So I just try to contribute in ways that I can. And, you know, whether that's trying to connect with people or, you know, getting our shirts out to people or even just coming up with funny ideas for shirts. You know, it's a very fun, it's a very fun thing to be involved with. And, you know, most recently we, we came out with shirts for the lightning winning the Stanley cup. Uh, one of their players, Nikita Kucherov, who, if you, if you're a hockey fan, you've seen his interview where he does it with his shirt off, you know, he's slugging a beer and, and you know, he's popping off at the mouth a little bit. And so it's a cool story that we, we came up with a shirt that played off of that interview uh, released it that night, you know, hope, hoping that it would do well. And, and he saw it somehow he saw it. We got it to the right person, his agent, you know, this, his agent, who's like one of the biggest hockey agents in Russia <laughs> calls us. And he's like, he saw the shirts. He wants a hundred of them the next day. And, you know, he wants to wear them at the parade. So we're like, here we go. Like, this is, this is going to blow up. And then, uh, so the next day, like I picked up a box of shirts that we were able to get printed, brought them to his agent. And then the following day, we had about 100 shirts, you know, six people bringing boxes to this yacht where the Stanley Cup was, and the, they had the Lombardi trophy on there for some reason. And, and, you know, they were taking pictures, like we got to take pictures with the Stanley Cup, we got to take pictures with him, and, and we gave him, you know, 100 plus shirts. And that night, I guess their team had some raging party, and he handed out all the shirts. So we woke up the next morning to, you know, everybody on the Stanley Cup winning lightning wearing the shirts that we made. And, you know, we came up with a shirt that was called Back to Boat for the Boat Parade and Stamkos loved it. He was rocking it the whole parade and and it was cool. So it's been uh, it's been a fun couple of weeks for Smack Apparel in Tampa. They have shirts for everybody, but, you know, to really tap into the hometown was was pretty sweet. Yeah. And this kind of leads me to another question. That I'm just curious about um, you seem to be at a lot like you're at the Super Bowl. Um you're going to these parades and I feel like it's kind of on the border of like preseason or borderline season. Uh, I'm just kind of curious and we can edit this out if you'd like, but how in the heck are you ending up at all these things uh, in Tampa, Florida during, uh, you know, important, important 
you know, preseason well, slash right, so, beginning of season? Yes, yes. That's a fair question. So the Super Bowl was – so they pushed back preseason this year. So the Super Bowl actually wasn't during preseason this year, which, you know, talk about all the stars aligning for the Bucks to be in the Super Bowl in your hometown and no preseason going on. So preseason hadn't started yet. So the Super Bowl was an easy one. The Stanley Cup one, the Stanley Cup one, my family is back in Florida and I'm out here in Oregon. And because I'm on the IR, you know, they're, they've, they've been very flexible. Fam family emergency. No, they've, no, we, I have a good relationship and they know that I, they know that I get my stuff done when I go back in Tampa. So I have a setup back in Tampa where I'm able to, to where I'm able to also do my rehab and, you know, be around the family. And so the Timbers have been very kind and letting me do that back at home as, as well. And it just so happened that this particular time lined up with the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. And it just so happened that they happened to have a boat parade that week during the window in which I was allowed to regen or the okay. window that I was allowed to work out at home. I'm just, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hater. I'm just jealous. That's all. I'm just jealous. And like, I don't have technically the same, I, I could probably have gone to these. I think I just, I'm just jealous that I didn't pull the trigger and you did, you know? Well, you know, it's funny because it's, you know, when you're buying the Super Bowl tickets, it's like, this is a once in a lifetime thing. I have to pull the trigger, like this money, like whatever. It's stupid. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I did it. And it's like once in a lifetime. I would have never thought that six months later, I'd be making the same exact decision <laughs> with, with the Stanley Cup. Because <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like, well, I just yeah, but, did this. But that could but be it. But it could you, be it. That, that could, could be it. it. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, for those that are, uh, wondering, I, I follow Jeff on, um, on all social media, but, you know, plug your social media. I think, uh, you know, I love the way you do it. You have, uh, you know, like you said, you post a ton, you know, a lot of people, they get on there and are like, oh, I follow this guy, but he never posts. Like you, you are quite the opposite in that you're always posting on Twitter and then you, you have some pretty good posts that I like, uh, you, you do chronic, you've, you've put some stuff out there about your injuries, which I think is uh, very open. But uh, tell people where they can go uh, to, you know, to follow you on social media. Yeah, so I'm just I'm at Jeff underscore at Nello one. And if you're, you know, if you're following me for me to post about just soccer, <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to enjoy that. But like I said, man, at, at the end of the day, I'm a sports fan, probably over anything else. So I just try what do you to mean? you're just posting about Guzan and, and the U.S. team. So that was well, yeah, I mean, listen, I mix it up. I'm a wide I'm a wide range, Bobby. You know, I, I, I can I can do a lot of it. I can do a lot don't of sell, everything, you know, don't sell yourself short. I can do a lot of everything, you know, man. So but yeah, so I'll chime into the soccer world when I think it's uh, when I spot something that a lot of people probably aren't talking about, you know, something that you see a little bit from the locker room. But you know, come buck season, if you if you get tired of hearing about Tom Brady, then you might <laughs> mute me. Follow bro. me, follow me, but mute me during yeah. the buck season because I might get a little annoying during that time. <laughs> well, well, there you have it. I, I told you guys that uh, he was uh, one of the bigger personalities and, and one of the more outgoing guys in MLS. Um, I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. I, I think you've got uh, big plans, you know, for your future. I know you're starting to do some some speaking engagements and um, you know, it seems like you're going to be a guy in the sports world for, for a long, long time. So uh, really just wanted to say thanks for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'm a big, uh, I love my city where I'm from. I know you do too. So it's great to have a, a fellow uh, guy from Tampa on and uh, good luck to your rehab. I can't wait to 
uh, see you back out on the field. But I know in the meantime, you'll be posting stuff and keeping us in the loop of everything going on in, uh, in Jeff Attenella's life. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I really thought I was the only Tampa MLS guy. I really thought I was the only Bucks guy. And then somebody put me on to your Bucks fandom. And I was like, I got one. <laughs> I got another one. That's right. No, I'm a big, I'm a big Bucks guy, man. I'm, I'm a big Florida State guy too. So uh, it was That's where my hard wife for went. Me. That's where my was, wife went. It was hard for me with Jameis, uh, you know, struggling and, and, you know, like you're talking about that seven and eight game. It's like that year, I think they lost like seven or eight games by a touchdown but people were talking about how bad they were. And I'm like, they, they barely lost, but um, you know, it's uh, Jameis is the hill I'll die on, which is okay. Uh, but uh, I didn't, I didn't think Brady was going to do what he did. And I'm, I'm just tickled to the, by the whole thing, man. This has just been a crazy time to be a, to be a Tampa proud guy, man. Yeah, it, it, it definitely has been. I, I was, uh, I was high on the Jameis train too, because I was trying to get my wife to like the bucks more and she went to Florida state <laughs> And we went to the, my wife and I, we went to the national title game where they beat, they beat Auburn. Auburn. And yeah. And it was cool. I, I thought the James Shane was going to work out too, but Brady over everything, but we'll stop talking about the Bucks. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Take it off. We'll, save this for off the, we'll save this for off the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and uh, you know, uh, hopefully everyone enjoys it. You're you'll be out there. And, and like I said, check him out on the, he, he's on all, almost all social media and he's got, uh, some podcasts and things that you can find more about him if you'd like to hear from him. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at MLSplayers.org.